0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Amen. So, uh, like the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, Michael Curry always says, Today, I'm just going to say a few things, and and then I'm going to sit down. (laughs) So, here it goes. Number one. Ever since the news broke yesterday, I have wanted to post something or tweet something or preach something that would declare my unshakable support for women. Because partisan politics and cable news talking heads aside, the reality is that today millions of women fear for their safety and their future. And that is sexual sexual violence on its own. And so for all the women in the room, I would like to stand before you and smash the patriarchy with my prophetic fervor and make it clear that I am on your team, that I'm one of the good guys. But every time I tried to write those perfect words, something kept getting in the way. And of course, that something was the truth. And the truth is that I have not always believed women. The truth that even though I'm gay and most of my friends have been women, I've still been dented by the patriarchy and male privilege I was born into. The truth that just because I've never tried to sleep with a woman, I've made the mistake of thinking I have no part in the injustices that women suffer at the hands of men. The truth that believing women did not just come naturally to me, but that in order to see the enormous safety I enjoy because of my male body, women had to teach me that. And the truth that I still have so much to learn from women about my own blinders. And that the, that the way I see the world, it's not the only way that the world really is. But this little shred of hope, that if God is still working on me, then God must still be working on my enemies... That's what I've been holding on to this week. That God is not finished with this world and that the story is not over is the only thing that has allowed my heart to remain just the tiniest bit open. Not open to abuse or violence against women, but open to the fundamental reality that today's ruling powers are not the ultimate powers. And that God's revolution of love still continues, and God's revolution will leave no one out. She will continue rooting out patriarchy, violence, and pride from every human heart until we are all liberated. Therefore, God keeps prying open my heart because God has enlisted me and every one of us here in that revolution. And open hearts give us the strength and the hope to keep going. So you just heard those readings. Um, At first, I thought it was a sick joke on God's part that the uh, lectionary readings for this week contain two readings that have been used as texts of terror against women. This is point number two. First, the creation story from Genesis, which has been used to argue that women are inferior to men, God's afterthought after the crowning achievement of Adam. And the second being the part in our gospel about divorce, which the church still uses to coerce primarily women into remaining in abusive marriages. In Matins this week, Matins is our morning prayer meeting on Thursdays. Nancy Costea, a housemate, read this gospel out loud and then she looked up at me and said, well, that's going to be a hard one this week. (laughs) I I agreed. (laughs) But then I realized that the irony was perfect. The irony that... In this, of all weeks, we get two examples of how the church managed to take sacred texts that were meant to protect women from harm and then use them instead to inflict even more harm upon them. But it's not surprising that this is what you get when you only allow half of humanity to read and interpret words meant for all people. Hmm. Because once women began to get their hands on these scriptures, the blinders began to be ripped off and the church started to see what it had been missing for so long. It was women, namely Phyllis Tribble, who was my mentor in college, who first noticed in the creation story that the word we translate as man or Adam is more accurately translated as earth creature or dirt creature. We could take that a lot of different directions. <laughs> the Hebrew word for dirt or, or soil is adamah. And so when it says that God took adamah, dirt, and made adam, dirt creature, God is not making a gendered male. God is making a genderless, you could even say non-binary, earthling In fact, in some of the earliest Jewish readings of Genesis, way before Jesus, we find that this is how the creation story was understood. That the prototype for all humanity was not a man, but was male, female, and everything in between, all mixed up into one. And that gender only emerges in that moment when God splits the dirt creature into two. And this is Everything, Because it means that woman was not an afterthought, but a part of the original creative chaos that is the origin of us all. And so, as it turns out, the word of God is a dangerous thing. It's not a surprise that men kept it from women for so long, because it matters who reads it because when women read the gospel for today they likewise found that all we men folk had gotten that wrong too according to the law of Jesus time if a man wanted to divorce his wife all he had to do was write a post-it note divorced and hand it to his wife he didn't have to give a reason and suddenly she was out in the cold with Nowhere to go but back to her family, if they would have her. If not, her only options were begging and prostitution. So no wonder Jesus came down hard on divorce. Because if anything is clear, it's clear that Jesus was on the side of women and your liberation. From this gospel to the woman caught in adultery about to be stoned to revealing his risen body first to Mary Magdalene, Jesus began a revolution of love in the lives of women that continues to this day. But it's a revolution that didn't sound like good news to the disciples, just like it doesn't sound like good news to so many men still today. But here's the thing. God always finishes what she starts. And she hasn't brought you this far to leave you now. Number three. A few months ago, actually just a few weeks ago, I got home and there were two big FedEx packages waiting for me on the kitchen counter. I hadn't ordered anything, so I felt that pitter-patter in my heart, you know, that feeling when you get mail and you're like, somebody loves me. (laughs) But then I realized that the return address was from my ex, David. David and I, we weren't married. It wasn't legal at the time, but we were the closest thing to it. And so after five years when we split up, it felt like what I imagine divorce feels like. So painful, so bitter, that I just wanted to seal that part of my life away, act like it didn't happen. Since that day that we broke up, I haven't seen him one time. I wanted to make a clean break. And then I got those packages a few weeks ago. And they were full of all my Christmas ornaments from when I was a child. Yeah. (laughs) I was delighted to have them back. But at the same time, I had this sick feeling in my stomach, thinking that there was literally this part of me boxed away in his house for all these years. All my effort to neatly tuck away my pain from those years was literally being unpacked before my eyes, and I didn't like that. But then I thought about something a seminary professor once said about today's gospel, and that's that Jesus came down hard on divorce because divorce does not exist. And I was like, whoa, dude, what? (laughs) But then he went on to say that the bonds we form will last forever. We might change our living arrangements, the name on our driver's license, or the details of our bank accounts, but we can never make a clean break from anything that happens to us. As I unpacked those boxes, I thought about all the ways that I try and draw lines in the sand. All the ways that I try and separate myself out from the things that bother me or hurt me. That the bad stuff and the bad people, that they're over there on the other side of the aisle, and that I'm over here. But the thing is, that's just not true. I cannot fully sever myself from anything or anyone, no matter how hard I try, which is one of the reasons I think this week has been so hard for so many people, because we know what it's like to try and pack away the things that hurt us, only to have them well up within us when we least expect it to. That's the reality that we inhabit every day. And to have that visceral reality be questioned on the national stage, that can make you feel crazy. But I'm here to tell you that you're not crazy. Because as Franciscan mystic Ilio Delio says, the fundamental ground of all being, of God herself, is that we are all quantumly entangled. That there is no me without you. That the idea that we are separate is a lie of the accuser. And that our ultimate destiny is that we are all being drawn into God's one common breath. And therefore, when things well well up in us that we wish were not there when people we wish we could cut off once and for all, when they, keep, when they come flooding back to us. This is ultimately a sign of good news. It is God's pledge to us that all of us matter and that God won't drop any part of us, that all of us are getting dragged into God's revolution of love, and that God is also dragging the patriarchy, misogyny, and all violence into the kingdom so that it can be burned away forever. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon podcast for House for All Sinners and Saints. If you like what you've been hearing and would like to support the ongoing ministry of our church, just go to our website, www.houseforall.org, and click on Give.